Bella's here. Oh, my sweet boy. Do you have any idea what time it is? Can you say mama? Mama? Mama. Daddy. Had a boy. Open big wide for mama. What a big boy you are. What a big boy you are. <laughs> oh, hey. Now we can't go to church with jelly all over our face, can we? <laughs> oh my, oh my goodness. What are you doing with that snake? You go put that snake back in the hole right now. That's it, buddy. Yeah. Way to go. All right, buddy. Hey. Oh, oh, buddy. You okay? You all right? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord. Hey, Mom. Mommy needs just a minute. Please. Hey, Mom. I think you look pretty no matter what. Even when your hair looks really weird. Right there. And come right back. Hold here, honey. Oh, Mama's here. It's okay. Oh, you're okay. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Stop it. Mom? Dad? I asked Beth to marry me. Well, what'd she say? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the family. I'm so happy for you. Hey, Mom. Where's that grandbaby? <laughs> oh, nice to see you. Oh, yeah, nice to see you, too. Hey, Mom. Oh, it's okay. Oh, it's okay. What did you do? You did great. What's that? The children. You did really great. I always knew you'd be a good dad. But you did really. Mom, what are you doing? <laughs> of course you are. Come sit with me. 
You know, I was thinking just the other day about what a wonderful mom you are. I mean, God, God really blessed me with a great lady. You're, you're my mom. You've always been there for me. <laughs> Even when I didn't want you to be. <laughs> and nobody ever believed in me like you do. Thank you. I love you, Mom. And I love you, son. I'll let you compose yourselves. I've had to watch that several times just so I don't blubber again. I want to share with you for just a few minutes about a mother's faith. As we move on into our series that we started last week about life and the family series, there comes moments when it's appropriate for us to look at our families and recognize the significance of motherhood and the influence within our lives. There's a special relationship between a mother and her children that is simply indescribable. The level of sacrifice that a woman will have for her children, a mother will have for her children, often is is something that we see before us but don't know how to put into words. And one of the most graphic illustrations that I ever saw of the sacrifice of a mother happened when I was in India a number of years ago. I went out with an organization and we were going to be feeding people that lived in the streets. And they came up with a little voucher that would uh, provide them the one meal that they would eat for the day. And as we were there, we were scooping some rice into plastic bags that they may have had or some of them had bowls, some of them had cups. And then we were pouring a gravy-like substance that was called dal over the top of that. I'll never forget one little Indian mother who came up and she didn't have a plastic bag and she didn't have a cup and she didn't have a bowl. And she was standing there with two kids that looked as if they were on the verge of malnutrition. And she stood there and when we asked her what we could put the food in, she took her shirt, her sari that she was wearing, and she held it out and we scooped the rice into her clothes. And they poured the cup of gravy over it. And as it began to drip down through her clothes, she put her hand underneath it and she sat down immediately and with her fingers began to to stuff the rice into the mouth of her children. And when all of the rice was gone, I watched her as she stood up and took her clothes and began to suck the gravy taste that was left in her clothes out of her clothes as the only meal that she would eat that day. This morning I would like to examine another scene in the life of a mother whose name that we don't even know, but we are given a glimpse into an interaction with Jesus in which the entire conversation probably lasted less than two minutes in real time, yet what takes place in this scene is the demonstration of such great faith from an unlikely source that Jesus was ultimately moved to compassion. 
And if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you would turn to Matthew chapter 15, and I'm going to read verses 21 through 28, and you can keep your Bible open to that or your electronic device because we're going to be referring to this over these next few moments. Scripture says, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she replied, or she said. He replied, It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said. But even the dogs eat of the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed that very hour. Lord, on this significant day, I ask that you, through the ministry of your Holy Spirit, would take the lessons that we can learn from this interaction with Jesus and this woman of great faith and apply them in our own homes and our lives so that your name will be glorified. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. The woman that is declared by Jesus to be known forever as a woman of great faith is a lesson to all of us. Because part of being a great mother and part of being a wonderful woman is to be a woman of faith, I believe. This, I believe, is the biggest compliment that could be paid to any woman is you are a woman of faith. Today, Mom, you are going to receive, if you haven't already, a number of very interesting things. Depending on the ages of your children, you might receive a card that's handmade, and we hope that they spell everything right, although it won't matter to you. Because as Pastor Mark mentioned a couple of weeks ago, there seems to be a hall of fame in every home called the refrigerator that all the great artwork finally makes it to. Some of you have had kids come home from their kindergarten years where they have put their hand in plaster and you've got this little dinky handprint that you're going to hang up probably on your Christmas trees forever. And as your kids get older, they will walk over to that and they'll constantly be amazed at how they have grown as their hand grows over that print. Some of you will be blessed today as your children run in your yard and pick the prettiest dandelions that you've got and come running to you with a bouquet that will be more important than anything else that you will have delivered to your house that day. For mothers such as mine and my stepmother who have grown kids, there will be the anticipated call, a time where you can't wait to speak to them. And then I trust some of you will also be able to have dinner out today. And all of this is given with the hope that in some way we might be able to express to you just exactly how special you are. But the greatest compliment that could ever be given to you would be for your children to recognize you as a woman of great faith. I have been blessed in my life to have three mothers that fit that description. My mother, who gave birth to me and raised me through my childhood years, teenage years, and into well into my adult years, was a woman of great faith. 
When she went to be with the Lord when I was 50 years old, or I was late in my late 40s, that was something that I didn't know if she could ever be replaced. I also married into a family where I have a mother-in-law that is a woman of great faith. And then after my father found another woman to remarry, she likewise is a bonus mom of great faith, and I know that she is praying for me even this morning. I am a blessed man to be surrounded by mothers of great faith, but it didn't really dawn on me until... I was sitting next to Cindy when she was giving birth to our firstborn, Kara. And as we got to that place where the contractions were really getting intense and we had gone through Lamaze classes, I was an expert at breathing. I could breathe better than she could and not pass out. And as we were getting to that moment, she she said, I need you to pray. And I walked over to her and was getting ready to lay hands on her to pray. And she slapped my hands away. She goes, no, not you. I want my mother. I stepped aside. She says, no, Doug, I want my mom to pray because God answers her prayers. (laughs) Being the great man of power and faith that I was, I stepped aside and let a real woman of faith pray. Within our passage of Scripture that we're looking at today, there are three things that I want us to recognize. And the first is that this woman of faith, when she came in contact with Jesus, revealed her problem tells us in verses 21 through 23 that as she came before the Lord, he was leaving a place and he was retiring to a region and she came before him because she was from that vicinity and she cried out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. And Jesus didn't answer a word, so his disciples came and urged him to send her away because she keeps crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus was intentionally withdrawing from people. How many of you mothers need to intentionally withdraw from time to time? My mom used to call that the bathroom. It was the one room that she could go to and lock the door. And we think maybe there were times she just ran the water in the bathtub and never really got in. But just wanted us to think. So there, there's this withdrawing and there are times, moms, when you just simply need to get away and, and just have a chance to breathe for just a moment. And Jesus was in one of these places where he was just trying to withdraw and the only place that he could go where he didn't think he would be bothered would be to slip into pagan territory. And some information about this woman was that Matthew refers to her as a Canaanite, a, a Syrophoenician, and, and they were not just ordinary enemies of the Jews. They were ancestral enemies with a long history of not getting along. So deep was the divide between them that even conversations between the Jews and the Canaanites were uncommon. In fact, the woman likely up to this point had embraced herself and engulfed herself in pagan worship. In fact, the problem that her daughter faced that day might very well have been a possession of demonic power as a result of the pagan worship that she had been involved with up to that time. And so this mother could be facing the things that my children are going through spiritually are a direct result of some bad decisions that I have made. And with that attitude, she comes and she approaches Jesus. And I want you to know today, moms and dads, Be very careful what you allow in your home. Be very careful. Because whatever you allow ultimately will seep down and will become part of the behavioral patterns of your children. The things that you do, the things that you say, the attitudes that you carry, your children will likely receive them 
the good points and the bad points. So be very, very careful because it will show up again. All of the circumstances that this mother faced had brought her to a place where she knew that any God that she had served up to this point was incapable of doing anything. And she wasn't so concerned about what had caused her daughter's condition as she was about being in the presence of the one who had the power and the authority and the history of breaking the chains that had captured her daughter and setting them free. And so she knew this was my hope. It was the demonstration of the heartbeat of a mother in need that was looking for answers that her pagan religion could not provide. And I'm sure that on this particular day, as most mothers will recognize, there was any number of other things that she could have been doing and maybe were even pressing needs. Maybe there were other children that needed her care. Maybe there were other problems that were going on in the household that she needed to take care of, but they all paled in comparison to the immediate need of a child. I have stated before that a mom can only be as happy as her most unhappy child. So her daughter was experiencing something that the mother could not get over. I noticed while studying this passage that the father was not mentioned. I'm sure that if he were alive, he didn't care any less. But I have observed that when a child is in need of immediate attention because of sickness or injury, they generally don't run to dad. We saw it in the video when he had his little bike crash. Dad is tripping over the hose, and the baby runs to mama because there's something antiseptic about the saliva and kiss of a mom. In fact, there's something very unique about the saliva of a mother, and I learned this growing up, that not only will it remove smudges, it's also like hairspray. She can lick her thumb, and a cowlick will obey a mother's thumb's demand when she licks the thumb. There's something precious about that. I learned about mothers in need in a very real way when I was on this trip in India. Tim Adur and I had had the opportunity to go and, and speak in India for 14 days in different, in different places throughout the country. And in one instance, we were in Calcutta, and Hulda Buntain wanted us to see the hospital because that very morning they had had the first pediatric open-heart surgery ever performed in the Assembly of God Hospital. And as we went there, the doctor asked us if we would please take off our shoes before we entered into the pediatric ward. And that was the extent of being germ-free as we walked in. So we took off our shoes and we walked in and the room was filled. There was no individual rooms, but beds lined both walls and two rows up the middle. And on every bed, there was a child laying. And beside every bed, there was a chair set up with women that were dressed in their Hindu garb, sitting beside their children. And you could feel the tension of every mother in that room. The doctor introduced uh, Pastor Tim and I in this way. He said, these are men that come in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Instantly, those mothers jumped up and ran over to us and began to drag us by our clothes over to the beds of their children. And though we couldn't speak their language, it was very clear. We want you to pray for them. I don't care where I come from or what my pagan God may look like. If you're here with the power of God, I want my child to be touched. And it was one of the most humbling moments I've ever had in my life. As Tim and I took turns as we prayed for every child in that ward. 
This is the scene that I picture when I read this passage about this mother. She didn't care what her culture had told her she should do. She didn't care what God her culture served. All she knew was that her God was powerless and that the God of the Jews had proven himself to be powerful and her daughter needed a God with power in that moment. At this The woman began to cry out to Jesus and she demonstrated such a love for her daughter that her daughter's condition became her very own as this is the way she worded things. Have mercy on me, O Lord. Now this isn't a mother crying out, this girl is driving me nuts and so have mercy on me and take care of this. This is a mother saying, my daughter and I are so close that whatever my children feel, I feel as if I'm enduring it myself. Have mercy on me, O Lord. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. And her plea indicates that her daughter's condition was both physical and spiritual. And she recognized the need to have more than just a doctor. or She needed a deliverer. The most distressing of all parental problems is the devil's attack on your children. This is an area that every parent can identify with. And mother, let me tell you something today. If you haven't started already, it is time to flood the throne room of God, praying over your children and over your grandchildren, asking that God would surround them and keep them and protect them and use them. They need your prayer because that is how powerful it is over the hearts and souls of your children. And we also need to know that we are not powerless. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Our Savior demonstrated great power in redeeming me from sin. And every day of my life, he demonstrates great power in keeping us, in keeping us as we pursue him. And I am convinced that he will outpour his protection and divine guidance upon the children of those who seek the Lord on their behalf. Mother, there is nothing that you can do that's more important than to pray for your children and fill their lives while they are young with the word of God. Give them something to stand on. Give them something to fight with. Give them something that you put within their souls that when they get into a situation where they don't know what to do, they know to call on the power of the Holy Spirit because we've seen it at work in my mom and dad's life. Give them something. I have mentioned many times that some of my greatest childhood memories come from waking up in the morning and getting ready for school and hearing my mom and dad in their bedroom across the hall. And when they prayed, they did not pray silently. I heard them almost on a every morning basis saying, Oh God, today we pray for Doug and we pray for Joy and we pray for Jennifer that when they walk out of this house today that they are surrounded by your care. Be a filter to their mind so that the things that need to be filtered out do not reach them. Be a filter to their soul, oh God, so that the things that are wholesome will touch their heart. Fill them with great friendships. Bring around them people that will support them in their faith and use them, oh Lord, to build the faith of others. And I want you to know something. As a child, when you hear that and you walk out of the house with that kind of a prayer there's a little bounce to your step because you recognize I am not helpless I have been surrounded in prayer and my mom and dad have prepared me well to face whatever may come our way this is the reason why our children's ministries are so important in our church and to our community we must give them the environment where they learn to be worshipers and followers of an almighty God that can hold them in the palm of his hand and that they know where to turn 
Teach your children while they're young to depend upon God and you will have given them the greatest gift ever given to a child. Returning to our text, we also discover that she remained persistent. In verses 23 through 27, she began to really press in on God. And when she talked to him, the Bible says that he didn't answer a word. So his disciples came and urged him to send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. And he replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. And she replied in verse 27, yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. This woman demonstrated what I will describe as an annoying persistence. I was going to ask by a show of hands, how many of you have an annoying mother, but I'm just not interested in knowing that today. There are things about the natures of our mothers that can be annoying, especially when they're embarrassing you. This mother was annoying to the point that she was going to persist until something happened. But she faced three major obstacles. She faced the silence of Jesus. She faced the ejection of the disciples. And Jesus' initial reaction to her was to tell her that she was undeserving. Frankly, the silence of Jesus is a, is a little bit confusing, a little discomforting. How many of you have experienced a time in your prayer life where Jesus didn't answer you right away? Where it seemed as if you faced his silence? How many of you in those times often wonders, is he hearing me at all? There are times when we approach the Lord and it seems as if we are faced with silence and we always are talking about a God that responds and reacts to our prayer that hears us when we pray. But the Bible tells us here that when she came before him, he for a moment stood there observing her and looking at her and he remained silent. Perhaps he was staring at her, gathering in the entire situation. Perhaps it was his silence that then gave the disciples the option to, okay, Jesus isn't saying anything. Let's jump in and and take this opportunity to remove her from him because if he were going to do something, he would have said something. Perhaps it was because she was causing an embarrassing situation with her constant yelling and screaming, but they were more annoyed with the disturbance that she was creating than the things that she was saying. And at the end of this awkward silence as Jesus is simply looking at her and the attempt of the disciples to send her away, Jesus finally speaks to her. And what he said was an obstacle when he said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Now this was not a rejection whatsoever in his words. It was merely a statement of fact. Jesus had come primarily to the house of Israel while he was walking on this earth. I believe as I look at this that there are two reasons that he made the statement to this woman. Number one, the woman needed to learn persistence and humility and trust. Secondly, she needed to settle in her mind because of the pagan background that she was coming from that there is only one God. Her background as a Canaanite indicated that she had culturally served false gods and she recognized Jesus as a miracle worker And perhaps that was what she was approaching him as. I need your miracles. And he was saying, you need more than that. So many times we are satisfied if Jesus merely is a miracle worker to us when he's saying, I need you to give me way more than just what I can do for you. 
I need you to give me your life. And her response to that statement was this. She came and she knelt before him. I love that image because I can almost see him walking and he's staring at her and she jumps in front of him and kneels on the ground. In other words, you're not going any farther unless you trip over me, Jesus. And she looks up and with these words, she said, Lord, help me. Now, I want you to understand that in her terminology, she would have been blasphemous to speak these words referring to Jesus as Lord if there hadn't been some transformation in her life that had happened instantaneously in that moment. She demonstrates a spirit of surrender and acknowledges Jesus as Lord in her life. And then with one last test, Jesus said, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. And in humility, she responds, just like a mother who's very quick on her feet, yes, Lord, Again, indicating a change of relationship. You're not just a miracle worker. Now I'm yielding to you as who you are. But even the dogs eat crumbs that fall from the master's table. And that led to the third thing that she experienced when she received the promise. In verse 28 it says, And Jesus answered, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. According to recent studies, there are more women that would rather hear someone say to them, great is your beauty than great is your faith. They would rather be successful in their professions than successful in their faith. They would rather have great power over people than live in the great power of a mighty God. But the majority of women and mothers are not great mothers of faith. Do you know that there are only two people whose faith Jesus pronounced to be great? This Canaanite woman, whom we don't even know her name, who came from a pagan background, and the centurion that stood before the Lord, and both of them were Gentiles. Great faith. Mothers, as I conclude this today, I'm going to ask that every woman in this room would please stand. All of you. Every woman, please stand. I know that this is Mother's Day, but I want you to understand that there are gifts of God that are deposited among us. Some of you are mothers, some of you are not, but I want you all to feel special today and to know that you are a gift of God to this church. So I'm going to ask you to step out of where you are, and if you'd come and spread out across the altar, I would like to pray for you this morning. As soon as we are done here at the altar, I want you to know that we have a chocolate fountain set up in the cafeteria that is just for you. Cindy, would you come and join me up here, hon? I want my woman of great faith to stand beside me this morning. I first want to tell you something. It was not an accident that Jesus had to create two genders, that that, that God created two genders in order to adequately and fully express his personality. I've said many times that I believe that it's the women that God has created that probably are the most attuned to the nature and personality of the Holy Spirit. 
There's an intuition the Holy Spirit grants to us that seems very similar to the intuition that women and mothers have. There's a sensitivity. We're always talking about the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit, and I believe that has been deposited within each of you. You are the beauty of the church. You are the the compassion and the care and the nature of God that flows through us and changes everything. There's a friendliness and a welcoming nature about you that God has designed in you that can be replicated no other way but by creating a woman. And so for you today, I want you to know I am so thankful for the gift of God that you are to us at Grace Assembly of God. I want to pray for you this morning. And I want to thank God for you. I know that there are some of you that perhaps, like this woman that we talked about in the Bible, are facing situations where you desperately need the God of power to come through in your household. Some of you have wayward children. Some of you want to have children and have been unable to. Whatever the case may be, I want you to know we stand in the presence of a mighty God who is capable of all things. I'm going to ask if the gentleman in the room would please stand and if you would extend your hands out to the the beautiful flowers that God has created among us. And I'd like to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I am reminded this morning of the wonderful women that you have placed in my life, starting with my mother, who today is rejoicing at the throne of God with you. For my precious mother-in-law, who... When my prayer is inadequate, she stepped up and took over. And my bonus mom, who is a woman of God and faith who prays regularly, and I thank you, Lord, for the precious gift of my wife. And Lord, as I pray for each of these ladies that are represented here today, we understand that you have given to mankind a tremendous gift in femininity that the world seems to be trying to rob us of. I ask, Lord, that through the Holy Spirit you would restore the femininity that you have intended to be evident within our world. I ask that the strength of that femininity would come shining through, that the faith of that femininity would be recognized, O Lord. There is tremendous strength and tremendous prayer power that is represented in these women that are standing here today. I ask, Lord, that you would bless their families, their children, their moms, their dads, aunts and uncles, sons and daughters. Bless them all, O God. Those, Lord, who are standing here that desire to be mothers but are not yet, I ask, Lord God, that you would give them the gift that they desire. For those whose children may be wandering away, we pray that you would lasso them in the power of God and draw them back to yourself that they might know you in the fullness of your power. But, Lord, there is a persistence that's demonstrated in these ladies that we see within this great woman of faith in the Bible. Father, we thank you for them. Bless them, and may this day be a day where they feel honored by their families, by their loved ones, and by you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, women, I would like you, before anybody else leaves their seat, to turn around and march right out of here into the cafeteria. It smells like chocolate, and it's all for you.